Why are you still waiting? Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 1. This is, this is like the vision verse, the vision chapter. And a lot of people may know this, uh, but I wonder uh, if you know this. By the way, do you know God's word is like an 81-floor skyscraper? You can know that building on one floor, but the next floor can be a completely different design. And the next floor, a completely different design. And the next floor and the next, God's word has layers. And every verse has layer upon layer upon layer of revelation that can transform our lives. Let us never become so familiar with scripture. Oh, I know this. I know this. You don't know this. God will show you something that you ain't never seen before. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1, it says this, I will stand my watch. If this clock wasn't ticking, I'd make you stand for the reading of God's word. We'll do that next week. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. What's a rampart? If you think about like a medieval castle and the walls around, it was the lookout, that little box where the guard would look to see what was coming. He said, I'm going to stand on the rampart and watch to see what he, God, will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for a point in time. Look at somebody next to you tell him, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Come on. You just discouraged him. Look back at him and say, but it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. The Bible doesn't say this, but I'll say this because it's worth it. Anything that takes longer than you want it to take is going to be bigger than you think it is. Wait for it. It is worth it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, those who don't follow God. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Christ, our desire is that you be magnified. God, as the disciples prayed, God, we want to decrease. God, that you might increase in us. God, have your way. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen and amen and amen. I, uh, if I say I, I, I like to make fun of old folks, uh, it's not true uh, all the way. Um, but I, I had an encounter uh, this week that I'm now trying to figure out which category I'm in, the young or the old. Because um, somebody said, you know, I've been leading this business for 40 years. And I'm like, man, since the 60s? That's wild. And I had the same moment you had when I realized that 40 years ago was not the 60s. Uh, it was the 80s. And I remember, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. Not in that category anymore. So what am I about to say? Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you're officially old. Anybody remember MapQuest? You're old. 
Some of y'all are like, MapQuest? I remember when you had to use a map. And there was no quest. I'll tell these little jokes about Waze or Apple Maps or Google Maps or whatever it may be. Well, well, youngins, Gen Zers or whatever you call yourselves. But before there was a phone or even a screen in your car, there was this website called MapQuest.com. And if you were going to venture further than the 30-minute radius around your house that you have memorized. I know how to get to work. I know how to get back. I know how to get to the mall. Y'all remember what it was like driving to a mall hour away? This is scary. I got to make sure I get the right exit and know where to go here. And what. If you were driving out of state to New York or Virginia Beach or wherever you're living in, you, you would get online to mapquest.com. And you would punch in, here's where I am. You know that now, just click your current location. There was no GPS finding. If you didn't know your address, we can't help you. You had to type in, here's my starting point. Then you had to type in, here's my end point. And then it would kind of have the little circle that would spin for a few seconds. And then out would pop 98 different turns that you had to make from where you are to where you wanted to be. You remember printing out MapQuest directions? <laughs> and realizing you haven't refilled your ink in a long time? So out of the 98 turns, you got the first 60. I'm driving to Myrtle Beach, but it gets a little fuzzy after Richmond. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> And then the worst part is, you're, you're, listen, there was no like your co-pilot sleeping on the journey. This is, we've got to stay focused because we could get, I mean, lost, lost. And here you are following these directions. You're, you feel confident through the first 12 because you knew that way. And, and then 13 says, get off on 83. And they don't got no 83 where I grew up. And Do you ever remember missing your exit? And the fear that would settle in your soul. Some of you are like, Pastor, I'm nodding, but I have no idea what you're talking about because I've never. Because when you use Waze or Google Maps or whatever it may be, if you miss your exit, what does it say? Recalculate. A piece of paper that you printed out three hours ago. <laughs> There's no recalculation. So you either find your way back to where, let me go five miles back and come by that exit again and not miss the exit this time, or I've got to find a gas station and hope they don't kidnap me and actually give me good address to go where I need to go, because you had to print out a step-by-step plan of where you're going. Hear me, when it comes to greatness, When it comes to maximizing your marriage, your money, your faith, your business, your children, every area of your life, most people are missing a roadmap. Most people don't have 98 steps of directions of drive here, turn left, then drive here and make a right, and then make another left, go 13 miles, and you will end up at strong faith. Come on now. If, if we were to be honest, most of us are making it up as we go along and hoping that it works out. 
we're missing a roadmap. Because we're in church, can I tell you what a roadmap is? A God vision. Not just a vision, a God vision. Proverbs 29 18 says this If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most. Bless. If I'm going to have greatness in any area of my life, in my faith, in, in, in my career, in my friendships, I can't just have a vision. That, that's like grabbing somebody else's map quest directions and saying, hey, let me try this. And you're not going the same place they were going. I can't just have a, I need to have a God vision. In Habakkuk chapter 2, this is the vision passage. He, he said, write the vision and make it plain. Write it on tablets so that they who read it can run with it. God says it's so vital that you have a vision for every single area of your life so that you can run with confidence knowing this is the right direction. You remember driving at night when you can't really see the streets? Maybe you're not blind like me, but I was always blind. You know? you're, 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 you're driving super slow. Because you're looking for a street and you want to make sure that you don't pass that street. People behind you are honking because they live around here and you're like, well, come around me because I'm not about to miss my turn. And God said, no, 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 no. I need you to have a clarity of vision so that you're running through life and not crawling through life. Here's what blows my mind about Habakkuk chapter two, though. The chapter does not start with writing out a vision. Uh-oh, I'm going to have fun. It doesn't start with the Times Magazine, a Vogue Magazine, a uh, whatever else magazine, and I'm cutting out pictures and pasting them on my vision board. Ain't nothing wrong with the vision board. But a vision board ain't where vision begins. Write this down, write this down. Make sure you're looking around. Make sure you are looking around. So I, I was talking to somebody uh, this week. By the way, y'all sold out Barnes and Nobles. That was un... I mean, line wrapped around the store. Store shut down. Union, and y'all behaved. Give you <laughs> we didn't get kicked out. Good job. Good job. Good job. But I was talking to somebody at Barnes and Nobles in the line this week. And, and, and they were like, Pastor, the, these weeks of reading the book and preaching, it's like being in college again. Where you get to like read the chapter before the professor teaches on it and, and then it gets up. So can, can we, can we have like a Holy Spirit college class for a second? Like I'm, I'm, if, if you let me, I'll, I'll help you today. Before I go any further, pick an area of your life. Pick it right now. I'd like for you to pick your faith, but you can pick anything you want. Pick, pick your faith and faith and my money, pastor. You got me. Okay. We'll help you with your money, but. It's a faith problem. Anyway, pick, <laughs> pick friendships, friendships. Pastor, I think I've outgrown my old friends. Pick, pick an area of your life, and, and I'm, I'm going to walk you through how do I see greatness in this area. Y'all ready? So here's how Habakkuk started with the vision. He said, I will stand my watch and set myself on a high place that can see far out and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer 
when I'm corrected. Now, as you know, uh, uh, the Bible is broken up into different sections. Obviously, we have the Old Testament, the New Testament, but we actually have the historical books. Then we have the law. Then we have the poetry books. Then we have the major prophets. Then we have the minor prophets. And then we go on to the New Testament. Habakkuk was one of the minor prophets. What does that mean? It means he was emo. If you read any of those minor prophets, they were, they were a mess. Constantly wrapping themselves in sackcloth and laying on one side for 40 days, weeping over Israel and then turning over on the other side like rotisserie chicken and praying on the other side. And, and Habakkuk was just one of those, just kind of like, bro, pull yourself together. God's coming back. Jesus is alive. You're going to be all right. And as he was writing Habakkuk, and this is just me, I, I wish I was there to help him. Because he could hear from God, but he didn't know basic anatomy. Because he said, I'm going to watch to see what God will say <laughs> to me. If I was back a scribe, I'm, I'm watch to see. That's good. That's good. God will probably print this in the Bible to see what he will show me. Say. Excuse me, sir. You don't see words. You hear words. And if you're going to watch to see, you're not looking for words. You're looking for images. And I'm sitting here thinking about this. Okay, God, speak your vision, speak your vision, speak your vision. Some of you, you're in this area where, where you want your faith to grow. You want your, your relationship to grow, your finances to grow, whatever. Maybe, and you're in your prayer closet. Saying, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And here's Habakkuk saying, he'll speak through what you see. You confused? I'm confused. Because I don't hear through my eyes and I don't see through my ears. Habakkuk, you need a nap and you need to give this another try the next day. And I'm unpacking this. Next thing I know, the Holy Spirit drops Genesis 15 on me. Where Abraham is in his tent. Looking around. At the fact that he's too old to have children and his wife is too old to have children. And he's looking at his lead servant and he's saying, well, he's, he's responsible. He's been loyal to me. He's been committed to me. I guess all that God has blessed me with, I can leave it to him. Next, there's some things in scripture you just can't wrap your mind around. Next thing you know, it says that God stepped into his tent. One of the things I love about God, from Jesus coming to earth as a baby to everywhere else, he won't make you come up to where he is until he comes down to where you are. God is not a God of when you get your life together, then I'll show you something, I'll speak to you, and I'll work with you. No, no. He said, whatever tent you've locked yourself in, I'll step into that situation. I don't even know how all of God fit into that tent. But he steps into Abraham's tent and, and, and Abraham meets him with excuses. God, it's not working out. God, it's not going the way that I need it to go. And what did God tell him? Here, Hebrew, uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. Then God brought him, somebody shout outside. God brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. That's a little bit of, of God ignorance right there. Oh, go ahead, count the stars if you can't. 
I can just imagine. Leave the verse up. Abraham's like, one, two, three, four, five. Because God's ignorant like me. God's like, 17, 19, 14, 23. Do you know where you are? And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Don't miss this. God will speak to you through what you see. If you're going to get a vision from God, you've got to start looking around and see. It's just a simple, and it sounds carnal, and I promise you, we're going to make it more biblical than you can ever imagine. But you've got to start looking around and seeing what catches my attention. What's appealing to me? What am I attracted to? What are you building? You're building your faith. Can I I help you get a vision for building your faith? Start looking around at other people's faith. Start, start, start looking around and seeing, hold, how, how do they relate with God? How, what, what, what is their walk with? What is their What does it look like? And watch this. You've got to step outside of your tent. What's my tent? It's my comfort zone. Notice I said you need a God vision, not just a vision. Because everybody has a vision. You at least have a vision of how your parents did it. You have a vision of how your community does it. You have a vision of how your culture does it. And a lot of people will not step outside of their tent of comfort to see something that they've never seen before. But if you're not willing to see something that you've never seen before, you won't experience something that you've never experienced before. Well, one, one of the best things uh, that, 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 that happened, and, and I think a key to, to who Union Church is, is when I became the senior pastor, I started learning from just any church that I could that was ahead of me. Now, it was a little bit natural for me because I was 23. And I wasn't that bright at 23, but I was bright enough to know I didn't know anything. So I was like, let me, let me see who's ahead and what they're doing. This is going to be more professor lecture than it is uh, preaching. You know what I noticed about a lot of people? They won't humble themselves enough to look around. Because I'm so busy trying to convince myself and convince others that I have it together that if I look around for something that somebody else has that I want, then I have to admit that I don't have it all together and I'm not willing to admit that. So I... This, 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 is, this is one of the services where we may not do this the next service. You, y'all don't know this. I, I preach every service and I go talk to the team and they say, hey, do that. Uh, don't do that again. Don't that part right there. Don't do that. And then we change it up service to service. So this may never make YouTube. This may never make any of the other services. You know what I got the most heat from? I don't know if you guys know this. I'm black. I am. Um, it's hard to tell. I know I tell these stories about being homeschooled and, you know, making butter and stuff. And y'all just like, huh? I got the most heat as a pastor for not only learning from black churches. Can we, can we call a spade a spade? I, I, I got the most heat from, hey, I'm, I'm going to learn from, from churches that are, are not just black. White, 
Hispanic, Pentecostal, Southern Baptist, Methodist. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to learn from anybody who's doing what I'm doing and doing it at a level that I'm not doing it at. And what happens for so many people is we allowed, I'm definitely not doing this the next service, prejudice. Come on now. Whether it's racial prejudice, generational prejudice, or, or economic prejudice, to keep us from learning from a place that has... Just because we're on this black-white issue, we're going to have a little bit of fun here. Do you know because of the black experience, we have a picture of God that no other culture can have? But we don't have the totality, the totality of who God is? And because of the white experience, you have a picture of God that no other culture can have? <laughs> I'm here now. I'm all the way in trouble. We, we ain't going to do this. You, you ever heard white Christian music? White people, y'all be singing about the galaxies, the birds and the bees and the trees. Indescribable. Uncontainable. You put the stars in the sky and you, you know them by name. You are amazing, God. I'm all the way in trouble when I'm a bad guy. You know you go so deep and you're like, how do I get out of this? The only nature black people sing about. God, move this mountain and make this wall fall. Get these barriers out my way. <laughs> if I wasn't so dark, I'd be blood red right now. I'm in so much trouble. Early on in my ministry, before I came and became a senior pastor, I spent a lot of time preaching in the Korean Pentecostal world. And they would sing a lot about Father God. And there would be a familial view of the kingdom. Every culture, every generation, every experience, every gender has a different perspective on God. And if we refuse to step out of our comfort zone, and this is how we've done it, this is how I've been raised, this is how we do money, this is how we do faith, this is how we do relationships, this is how we do career, this is how, and God is saying, I'm trying to show you something that you've never seen before, but you refuse to step out of your tent, and I can't can't show you greatness in your tent. Somebody say, get out of your tent. God will show you something that you've never seen before if you will allow him to pull you out of your comfort zone. Now, you may not know this, but every time I write a message, I don't write it for the people who agree with me because that's no fun. I write it for the skeptics. Matter of fact, as I'm writing my message, I'm thinking, how can you punch holes in this? And what's wrong with this? And all that kind of stuff. And then they help me because they jump on Instagram and tell me what they don't agree with. So then I'm able to throw it into them. And I could just hear people, Pastor, that's not a God vision. That, that's copying other people's lives. You're, 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 and, and then you have all these little, I say dumb, but I can't. I, well, the next. You have all these little dumb phrases that we pick up in church. And, and why, why would you be a carbon copy when God called you to be original? 
You could preach that. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am unique. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what, what God has in store for me. I can't look around and see anything that God has for me because he's going to do something in me that he has never done in anybody else. I will get my act together by the next service, I promise. That's why you can't take one verse out of context. Because the same Bible that says no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive, is the same Bible that said there is nothing new under... Okay, so, looking at that person's influence, and I like that, I want that. But I know that God has not called me to be a plagiarizer, so what do I do? You read the rest of the verse. Watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So what did I do to build Union Church? I went to look at this Methodist church and that Southern Baptist church and this white Pentecostal church and this Bible Belt church and this New York church. And I ain't gonna look at no church in California, but I looked everywhere else. <laughs> but watch this. I can't preach like that. I don't have the story like that. I don't have the skill set like that. So I saw what I liked and then I brought it into prayer. And I said, God, correct the vision. God, what of this is for me and is not for me? What is this you've called me to and you haven't called me? What, what of this do you have for my future? And allowed God, And there's two ways that God will correct your vision. He'll correct it through his word. Some of you have picked up a vision from your parents that is the way they did it, but it's not the way the Bible says some of you have picked up a vision from culture of what success is or whatever it may be. And yes, you can take that as a somebody shout starting point. But then I've got to bring it first to don't even pray about it till you run it through the scriptures. Don't waste God's time with something he already wrote. God, I love this vision, but it includes me manipulating my way to the top. Don't even waste your time praying about it because the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've got to. And then after I'm sure that it aligns with God's word, then I'm bringing it into prayer. God, what about this do I have a peace about that you're calling me to? And what do I? Was God going to give Abram stars for children? No. But I had to show you the expanse of the stars. So that you could start thinking on the level that I need you to think. So I can do through you what I want to do through you. Second thing is this. Write this down. Why are you up here already? I'm only on point number two. <laughs> I'm wilding today. Pray for me. Write this down. You got to know what you're looking for. You've got to know what you're looking for. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2. Here, here's what the, Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Somebody shout, make it plain. plain. Somebody say, make it, make it simple. He said, write the vision, make it plain, Columbia, so that people can run with it. Here's one of the biggest misnomers, that the final destination is not the definition of a vision. Watch this. When you go to MapQuest, you already know where you want to end up. Where you want to end up is not the issue. 
How do I get there? Pastor, where do you want to end up with your, with your finances? Filthy rich. Yep, I know, I know, I know. I know the destiny. So that I could be generous on every single occasion and be a blessing. <laughs> the destination is not the problem. It's how do I get there? Pastor, where do you want to end up with your kids? Well, first of all, I don't want them living in my house. Step number one. Step number two, I don't want them to embarrass me. Step number three, if they do something great with their life, that'd be great too. And, and love God, and love God, and love God. <laughs> Knowing where you want to go is not a vision. Vision is step one is this. Step two is this. Step three is this. Step four is this. Step five is this. So as I'm looking around, I'm not just looking. I love your faith, how you, you walk in purity and integrity, but yet you seem to have the joy of the Lord. I, I, no, 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 no. Where did you start? I'm not just watching to see where you ended up. I won't end up where you end up if I don't know where you start. Where did you start and where am I? What did you do in the first season? What did you do in the second season? What did you do in the third season? The, 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 the agent that, that uh, kind of guided me through the whole book process and all that other good, they came to me two years prior to me writing the book. They said, hey, we heard about you from a friend, and we think you'd be a great author. Would you be interested in writing a book? I turned them down. You know why I turned them down? Because I looked at other pastors that were ahead of me that I respected, that were doing great things. And in that season of their church journey, they weren't writing books. They were focusing on building the church and making disciples and raising up leaders and making sure that the church was established and heading in the direction that it needed to go. And I said, well, even though this opportunity has come, if the people I'm looking at aren't doing it at this season, I probably shouldn't be doing it at this season because it's premature. So as I'm looking around, I'm looking, what were you doing when you were my age? What were you doing when you started off on this journey? What does season one look like? What does season two look like? What does season three look like? I'm trying to figure out what does the roadmap to where you are look like? What resources did you have around you? Here, here's, here's a big one. What sacrifices did you make along the way? There is nothing great that anyone has ever accomplished their faith they're few, nothing great that they have not said strategic no's to very enticing things. And we think that I can have all that God has for me and have all that I want at the same time. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Come on now. Remember being in college? You could have A's or you could hang out and have a lot of fun. Or you can't do both. I, I, I had this encounter, I was sitting down with a, a, a business leader actually in our church and had, had built, I mean, just an, an amazing business. And I started just, hey, tell me your story. And they told me how they immigrated to, to the States and bust tables at night while they went to community college. And then graduating community college, they went to university. After going to university, they got their degree, got their first job, so they started working during the day and got their master's degree at night. Then from master's, they went on to PhD, and as the education is growing, the income is growing. And then as the income is growing, they bought the first business. And they said something that blew my mind. They said, when we bought the first business and, and the income started to, to flow, 
I sat down with my family and I said, we are no longer broke. But if we will pretend like we are for a few more years, this can go somewhere. So instead of buying a big house and a big car and a Rolex and all this other kind of stuff, they acted like they were, and then brought the next business and the next one and the next one and the next one. And what, here, here's what I began to learn as I watched this journey, that every level of favor was a stepping stool to the next one. It, it wasn't a mama, I made it, now I can ball out. But it's okay, go from here to there, to there, to there, to there, to there. So what did I do? I took that story, not from building wealth, but for building the kingdom of God and saying, okay, God, what's the journey that you've had us on? Okay, Columbia, Baltimore, BWI, Flowers, Charlotte. Okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? I don't just want to know your finish line. I'm watching the journey that you took and taking that journey into the presence of God and saying, God, what of this do you have for my story? Last thing is just write this down. Be ready to run with it. We're starting something this year. We have about 50 or so people on staff at Union Church, and we want to really just celebrate maximizing every area of our life. Somebody say Amen. We maximize our career, our, our, our faith, our, our, our finances, and our health. <laughs> you hear mummers. That's the staff complaining because they know where I'm going. Uh, we have a staff 5K marathon coming up uh, in November. Uh, some of y'all are like, 5K? That's nothing. Well, listen, okay? It's something for me. And uh, this, this is true confessions of a poor leader. Uh, <laughs> Staff's not going to respect. I haven't started to prepare for this 5K that's in like three weeks. And uh, I know I look skinny, but I'm chunky on the inside, y'all. I, <laughs> and, 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 the, and the worst thing is, I know how bad it's going to hurt because I've done this before. About 10 years ago, me at PZ, we, we, we ran a, a, a 5K with a bunch of interns at the church. And, you know, I'm still working on my humility. I remember being 16. I don't know that I'm not 16 anymore. And I'm just like, oh, I'll run 3.1 miles. That's nothing. I'll just show up and do it in a second. And that's what I did the first 5K. And the first mile and a half was, I mean, easy. I'm, I'm running backwards. I'm now waving at neighbors. But, but it was like at 1.4 miles, I was great. At 1.5, like, I mean, it was like, boom. My left lung said I quit. And I'm having to, you've had a conversation with a body part as you're going, what do you mean you quit? You're abusing me and I quit. And for that last 1.6 miles, I'm like, <laughs> some of y'all, it was a cramp because you weren't working out. No, my lung quit. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. Because I didn't have sober judgment of what the run would be like. Now, don't look at me like that. Y'all ran y'all 13.1, you're 26.2 mile like pastor. That's not even really. It's a big deal for me, okay? When God says write the vision and make it plain so that they who read it can run with it, we're thinking 2022. I read something that I'm excited about and I'm excited to go run. No, no, no. Think Old Testament times where there's no phone, no email, no text message. There's only professional runners who their vocation was one of two things. I stand next to the king waiting for him to give an edict 
And as soon as he declares something, the 14 of us take off running by foot to the 14 villages outside of the town and let them know the king said, or I'm standing next to the general on the battlefield waiting for him to give me a message for the king. And the second they give the message, I'm running whatever 14, 10, 12 miles. And just picture this. Let's say the army is losing their battle. People are dying as I speak. And I'm running back to the king to say, send reinforcements. Every time I bend over and take a break, lives are being lost. Every time I make a wrong turn and I don't get there as fast as I could, Lives are being lost. So when God said to Habakkuk, write it in a way that when that person begins to run with the vision, they're not delayed, they're not tripped up, they're not confused, they're going to be able to run and get that vision where it's supposed to go. Habakkuk verse 3 says this, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. Somebody say, wait for it. Come on, say it real. Say, wait for, it. wait for it. Wait for it. For it will not lie because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Here is the biggest part fulfilling the vision that God maximizing greatness in your life. A lot of people don't know how long it takes. A lot of people feel that because God exploded something in my heart today, that it's going to happen tomorrow. They don't realize, no, 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 no. What God has for you, when you start today, you're going to see it come to pass three years from now, six years from now, eight years. And it's easy when you're in college because they tell you four years and then you get this piece of paper. But what happens when I get out of college and it's not a clear four years? It's not a clear seven years or six months or whatever. And you would not believe how many people's visions have been aborted just because they quit right on the edge of all that God has for me. So I need a vision that I'm willing to be faithful to. How do I know I'm being faithful to the right vision? Because you should see miracles all along the way. You know what I noticed about God? If you play, I'll stop. God will give you every miracle except the one you're praying for. Annoying. God, I need healing. Here's a phrase at work. Thanks, God. What about that? God, I'm, I'm believing for, for new friends in my life. Great. Here's an open door for your business. Huh? Thanks, God. But uh, sometimes you wonder is he hard of hearing? Is he missing this? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 says this So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger just so he could provide manna miraculously, which you did not know or did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Not only did he feed you man in the morning and quail at night miraculously, but remember those clothes you were wearing? They never wore out, nor did your converses have holes in them. 
Can you imagine walking in circles for 40 years and your feet never swelling? What did God not do? He did not bring them into the promised land. What he did do, he put a miracle every other place to let them know you're on the right track. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't back down. You're, you're, keep, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. I've got to know that the greatness that God has for me is not going to happen in a week. It may not even happen in a year. How do I know I'm not just wasting my time? How do I know I haven't forgotten? God hasn't forgotten about me. How do I know I'm not on the wrong road waiting for something to happen that's not going to happen? Because you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're going to see his miraculous hand every step of the way saying this is the the way walk ye in it. There was a moment in Paul's life where he's standing trial. This would be the trial that actually ended in his execution. Paul was going to lose his life for the gospel. I always like to compare myself to people in scripture because they're here and I'm not. Paul never begged for his life. I would have been begging for my life. Paul never said, hey, let's work this out. Okay, come on now. I mean, y'all got this big empire. I'm just preaching to Jesus. Like, how can... You know what Paul said? In Acts chapter 26, verse 19, he said, therefore, King Agrippa. This was Paul's defense to somebody who had his life in their hand. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision of my life. Paul, how do you explain yourself? Here's my explanation. I'm doing what God's called me to do in every area of my life to the best of my ability. And I'm going to leave the rest to him. That's what God has for you. He has not, not a vision, a heavenly vision for every single area of your life. He's saying, hey, are you going to take the time to see it, to write it down, to make it plain? And then are you going to persevere so I can bring it to pass in the way that I have for you? Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for your presence in this place. God, I pray in this moment, God, that you would encourage, that you would strengthen. That God, that you would bring to our remembrance all the miracles around us that we overlook, but that are proof that you're with us and haven't forsaken us. God, I pray right now as we step outside of our comfort zones, God, that you'd show us things that we've never seen before. God, no matter how content we are with our lives, God, I pray that you would begin to expand our vision. God, I'm praying over that person who's tired, who's who's wondering if this ever is going to come to pass, and I, I should probably turn back now. God, I pray in this moment that you'd strengthen them. God, that you'd have them know that they're closer than they could ever imagine. Right where you're sitting, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. I particularly want to pray for those of you that are realizing in this moment that my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. Maybe you had a vision of a God that just wanted you to be perfect. Maybe you have a vision of God that is disgusted with you because of the mistakes that you've made. The truth is, that's not who God is. 
He's the one that does not wait for you to get your act together, but will step into your tent and bring you out of that situation into a place that you never thought possible. He's just waiting for you to respond. And today, right now, this is your moment to respond. If you say, Pastor, I can't say that my relationship with God is where it needs to be, but, but I'm ready to take a step towards him. Right where you're sitting, let's take that step together. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for dying for me. For that all my sins, all my mistakes can be erased. Right now, I give my life to you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me in ways I never thought possible. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person?